welcome to Arbitral Insights, a podcast series brought to you by our international arbitration practice lawyers here at Reed Smith. I'm Peter Rosha, Global Head of Reed Smith's International Arbitration Practice. I hope you enjoy the industry commentary, insights and anecdotes we share with you in the course of this series, wherever in the world you are. If you have any questions about any of the topics discussed, please do contact our speakers. Welcome to our Greener Arbitrations podcast mini-series, a platform where Reed Smith's international arbitration lawyers will be exploring the legal and technical issues involved in reducing the environmental footprint of arbitrations. I am Alison Eslick, an international arbitration lawyer at Reed Smith's Dubai office. And I am Vanessa Tiffry, an international arbitration lawyer at Reed Smith's Paris office. In these episodes, we will hear from leading arbitration practitioners and external speakers and discuss insights, news, and trends relevant to greening arbitration and the challenges that are entailed. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to another exciting episode of Arbitral Insights, Reed Smith's podcast channel. I am Vanessa Tiefri, a senior associate in Reed Smith's Paris office. And with Alison Eslick, a senior associate in the Dubai office, we are happy to host another episode of our Greener Arbitrations mini-series. In 2022, Reed Smith launched an initiative to reduce the environmental footprint of our arbitrations. We quickly identified the need to raise awareness, both internally and externally, and organizing a podcast miniseries on greener arbitrations appeared as an obvious tool to do that. So this is the fourth episode of our 2023 Greener Arbitration series, out of six, in which lawyers of Reed Smith debate how to reduce the environmental footprint of arbitrations. In the first three episodes, we addressed arbitration agreements and whether they should include sustainability measures, the campaign for greener arbitrations model green procedural order and whether it was unavoidable, and the topic of hard copy submissions, in which we wondered if they were a thing of the past. If you haven't listened to them yet, they are available on Reed Smith's podcast channel, Arbitral Insights. Thanks, Vanessa. In this episode, we focus on witness and expert preparation and whether virtual preparation meetings can match in-person meetings. Now, preparation meetings, especially if travel is required, can have a sizable environmental impact. So with the COVID-19 pandemic, arbitration practitioners are now very used to jumping on Teams or Zoom meetings. However, is it truly the same as an in-person meeting? This is the question that our lawyers will address today, debating whether virtual witness and expert preparation meetings can match in-person meetings. We have a team of two lawyers uh, arguing in the affirmative and a second team arguing in the negative. Now, uh, we always do make a short disclaimer for these podcasts, and that is this. Please note that for the purposes of these podcasts, our debaters have been assigned the positions that they are advocating. And this is because we felt that topics would be better explored if one team advocated fully for their position for or against the proposition. So the debaters are role-playing, and none of the views expressed during the debates should be attributed to any of the individuals participating, or Reed Smith, or indeed any of our clients. Thank you, Alison. So with that said, let's start. The first speaker of each team will make their arguments for and against the proposition, as the case may be. And then the second speaker of each team will rebut the other team's arguments. 
The first speaker up is Aurélie Lopez. Aurélie is a senior associate in our Paris office and a member of our transport industry group. She advises clients in transportation, energy, and construction disputes before arbitral tribunals and French courts. Aurélie will have the difficult task of kicking off the debate by arguing that, yes, virtual preparation meetings can match in-person meetings. Aurélie, the floor is yours. Thank you, Alison and Vanessa. The question of remote preparation of witnesses and experts mostly arises when the witnesses, experts, and lawyers sit in different locations. However, you will see that the arguments in favor also call for remote interviews in all circumstances. I have identified not less than six arguments in favor of remote preparation. Firstly, it is greener. International arbitration has an environmental impact, notably through the extensive use of international travels, which can and should be reduced. According to a study carried out by an international law firm in 2022, more than 90% of the carbon footprint of in-person hearings was caused by travels. Although every case is different, and remote preparation may involve fewer people than the final hearings, this case, this fact is worth bearing in mind. Carrying out remote interviews of witnesses and experts removes the need for international business travels. It therefore significantly reduces the carbon footprint of the arbitral process. Secondly, it is technically feasible. In practice, witness and expert interviews involves a discussion with the lawyers while referring to various documents. Both of these actions can be done remotely using tools such as Zoom or Teams. With the pandemic, these tools have been developed and are much more user-friendly. Thirdly, it is more flexible and convenient than in-person preparation. By removing the necessity to meet in person at a specific time and place, remote preparation is easier to schedule and plan, finding time slots which suits everyone. It also removes the need to deal with jet lag. Holding the interviews remotely is much more inclusive and accessible, accommodating for people with disabilities or sickness, traveling difficulties, or job and family commitments. It also has the potential to provide a more familiar and comfortable environment for the witness, lessening the burden and daunting nature of witness interviews. Fourthly, it is more efficient than in-person preparation. Witness and expert interviews can be long and tedious, sometimes leading to very, very long days. Remote preparation allows for a more dynamic time frame by potentially cutting the preparation into shorter sessions. Further, holding the interviews via Zooms or Teams allows to record the interviews, creating automatic transcripts. The team can later go back and check what the witness or expert has said. Fifthly, it is cheaper than in-person preparation. It removes all travel and accommodation costs as well as any hosting costs for the meetings. The expert and lawyer's fees should also be reduced because they do not need to accommodate for the time spent traveling. Finally, it is a useful exercise. The witnesses and experts may later be involved in a remote or hybrid hearing. By participating in remote preparation, the witnesses and experts become familiar with expressing themselves clearly through a camera and providing comments on documents on the screen. I hope you are now all convinced that remote preparation matches and actually is more beneficial than in-person preparation. Thank you, Aurelie, for a very strong start to the debate. But let's see what our second debater, Suhei Herrera, has to say. 
Suhei is a counsel in our Miami office whose practice focuses on international litigation and arbitration. She is part of our global commercial disputes group and her experience ranges from representing clients in issues relating to distributorship disputes, construction disputes, investor claims under NAFTA and other business disputes. So, Suhei, why can't virtual meetings match in-person meetings? Thank you for the introduction, Allison, and also for the opportunity to speak on this interesting and hot topic. I would like to start by stating that although progress and adjusting to new procedures is important, the driving guide for us as attorneys in deciding whether to adopt any of these new practices is determining what is in the best interest of our client. Change for change's sake leads to nowhere and is a disservice to our profession and our clients. With that in mind, there are three primary reasons I do not think remote preparations of witnesses and experts are adequate or in the best interest of our client. To begin with, and most importantly, the rapport that is established between us as attorneys and witnesses and experts is simply not the same when a preparation session is virtual as opposed to in-person. In my experience, in-person preparation sessions allow for a relationship of trust to be developed with witnesses and experts alike that makes preparing them much more successful. It also signals to the witness and the client that the preparation of this witness or expert and the client's case is a top priority for us. Being in person allows us the opportunity to react immediately to any areas of concern relating to any demeanor or how a witness presents, and also allows us to simulate how the witness will be questioned during the actual hearing. Because of the rapport established as part of this in-person preparation session, the simulation is more effective when done in person. That is to say, the witness or expert is more inclined to take the process seriously and take our advice on what they are likely to face when presented with with any issues at the hearing. Second, and closely related to the topic of rapport, in my experience, virtual preparation sessions often result in witnesses or experts that have divided attentions, specifically because they have their computer at their hands and in front of them, they're not fully disconnected from their home or work uh, during the preparation session. The witness or expert often either pay attention to other matters or get distracted by home or work matters that would not become an issue if the session had been in person. For example, I have been in preparation sessions virtually where a witness asked for a break for about five to 10 minutes to be able to walk their dog. Or because they're doing the preparation sessions from work, Someone may come in and interrupt the session, completely destroying the flow of the points that we're trying to get across in preparing for the hearing. In essence, my my impression has been that virtual sessions do not give the imprimatur of importance and urgency of the preparation as you do get when you do an in-person session. Finally, we have not reached a technological age where everyone's internet is made equal or everyone has the same equipment for attending a preparation session. In fact, even law offices that have invested great sums in steady internet connection experience outages, or Zoom or other virtual platform experience difficulties. This is exacerbated by witnesses who have spotty internet connections or even inadequate equipment. I have had many a witness that has bad connections or that don't have good speakers or good microphones, so we can't hear them when we're doing the preparation sessions. We end up spending the first 30 minutes to an hour attempting to troubleshoot the issue if it can be fixed at all. This does not happen in person. Further, because the session is virtual, we're relying on the witness or expert having a sufficiently large screen to view any documents that we want to share and highlight. But this is not always the case. 
I have had witnesses who attend preparation sessions from their phones and do not have a screen to view do documents adequately. And even where they, when they have computer, it might be a small laptop that limits the viewability of the document being shared. Again, this does not happen in person. Everyone is sitting around a table and the documents are in front of them and can be pointed to. Even if paper copies of documents are not used, the attorneys can coordinate for a session to be had somewhere where there would be a large enough screen to be able to show documents to the witness out adequately. All of this is lost with virtual preparation sessions and is a disservice to the client. Thank you, Suhei. Both sides have made important arguments, but are these arguments that strong? It's time for rebuttal with Antoine Smiley first answering Suhei's arguments and thus advocating for virtual meetings. Antoine is a partner in our Austin office and a member of the Energy and Natural Resources Group. He focuses in the field of projects and construction, helping notably his clients resolve domestic and international construction disputes, particularly in relation to renewable and conventional energy, oil and gas, transport, and infrastructure. Antoine, what have you got to say? Thank you, Vanessa. Well, they say honesty is the best policy, so let me start with an admission. I personally still prefer in-person meetings when preparing witnesses for trial or deposition. But that preference is not a reflection of the inherent benefits of in-person meetings so much as a reflection of the fact that we all prefer to do the things we have always, the way we've always done them. And we're not going to be good at doing things that are new to us. The fact is that if virtual meetings are executed correctly with proper planning, and trained attorneys, they can be as effective as in-person meetings. And given the obvious advantages that virtual meetings have in terms of cost and flexibility, as Aurelie has already laid out, if they can be as effective, then it's incumbent on us, regardless of preference, to move away from in-person meetings. So let me pause there for the moment. Anyone that started practicing at the beginning of the century or indeed earlier will agree that it's overwhelming how much technology has changed the practice of law. But if there's one thing that has come with each iterative change, it is this, resistance. Consider email. When it was introduced, adoption by law firms lagged industry by about 10 years. The resistors lamented at the dangers of electronic short-form communication and the lost art of verbal dictation and embossed letterheads. And yes, we made some mistakes along the way, but over time, we learned to use email effectively, securely, and now it predominates algorithm communications. Consider e-discovery. When it was introduced, there was that same resistance. Surely computers can't reliably review documents as well as we can. We complained that search terms were ineffective and technology-assisted review was manifestly unfair, but ultimately those cries were rejected. And while it took longer than it should have, they are now commonplace and unexceptional, and who knows what they'll become once AI programs are fully developed. Now consider video conferencing. When it was introduced, it was obviously inadequate for witness preparation. But long gone are the days of 56K dial-up modems, expensive video conferencing vendors, and so on. Usher in high-speed internet, free video conferencing software, and COVID, which helped to rapidly accelerate platform development and has established a critical mass of global users. 
Video conferencing technology is now democratized across the globe. Look no further than your own clients. They're using these platforms multiple times a day. And yes, we all have our anecdotes about distractive witnesses and difficult challenges that we've experienced with it, but that problem's lessening. And it'll continue to lessen as more and more people are initiated and better equipped to participate in virtual interviews. And so we see with international travel now opened up again, we see that return to in-person meetings and that same resistance, that same reluctance to fully embrace this new way of working, despite the advantages. And I'd like to think that lawyers are weighing up what's more effective for the benefit of their clients, but I can't help but wonder whether they're simply seeking to do what they're used to doing and resisting the inconvenience of change. And as always, us lawyers have the luxury of resisting change because ultimately it is the client, not the lawyers, that have to pay the costs, the costs of flights, accommodation, travel time, and so on. But I think the writing is on the wall. This may be a relevant question today, but in a few years it'll be academic. This is an industry much like H.G. Wells' description of the natural world. We must adapt or we perish. We cannot languish like Luddites, for when we do, our clients simply go elsewhere. So now is not the time to be insisting on doing the thing, doing things the way we've always done them. Not time to be insisting on costly and wasteful in-person interviews at the expense of the client. It's time to be embracing the change, skilling up, becoming proficient at witness interviews via video conference, and proficient enough that the experience mirrors or exceeds the results of in-person meetings. And it's okay to identify the shortcomings with virtual meetings as our opponents have done today, but we must be careful to do so for the purpose of improving the process rather than trying to shut it down. And so while our opponents may scream, viva la resistance, we say lean in, skill up, embrace the change. Wow, thank you very much, Anton. Some really good points there, but... We have one last but not least speaker, and that is Peter Rocher, who will make her a rebuttal. Peter is a partner in our Paris office and the global chair of Reed Smith's international arbitration practice. Peter has nearly 30, 30 years of experience in international arbitration, advising clients on contentious issues, as well as providing extensive advisory services in relation to live major construction projects. So, Peter, over to you to close the debate. Yeah, well, I'll take the gauntlet. Look, both Aurelie and Antoine have made some very good points um, and advocated very strongly. And as we saw from the um, pandemic, and this was a lesson to so many sort of prior sceptics, VCs and Zoom and Teams uh, can be very effective and very beneficial, not denying that. There are clear benefits also um, environmentally. But this doesn't mean that going virtual is a wholesale modern panacea. The fact remains that there are significant advantages uh, to in-person sessions, both for witness and expert preparation, and particularly so in complex cases that involve multiple testimonies and arguments. So in rebuttal, I'm just going to focus on a few points. First, and critically, in response to the point made regarding the, the usefulness of virtual preparation as some sort of ideal dress rehearsal for the real thing virtual testimony at a virtual hearing, I'd say that this decision isn't so simple. And I say this because preparation of fact witness or expert evidence with the fact witness or the expert is 
it isn't a linear or a passive exercise. And if a lawyer is doing it passively, then they should get out of the law. As lawyers, we look to prepare a case theory, and we're obviously looking to prepare the winning case theory. Now, that means looking not just at the law and the facts as contained in the documents, but also working with the witnesses and their testimony. And we don't just sit back and listen to what a witness is telling us passively. We ask questions and we have to test and challenge the witness. And potential witnesses are often, particularly fat witnesses, are often defensive and they often wish that they'd done or they'd written something differently at the material times. So in-person sessions are actually incredibly valuable because they allow us to foster relationships and establish trust with those witnesses. And don't forget that these fat witnesses have often never done this exercise before. And how often do we as lawyers get a very strong feeling that we have been able to gain that person's confidence? Memories are not infallible. Um, and sometimes somebody will remember something that doesn't quite fit with the documents. So you have to have some robust conversations with the particular individuals in order to test their evidence. Well, doing that in person is a much more effective platform sometimes. Psychology and sort of sociology experts have often said as well that sort of 70 to 90 percent of communication is nonverbal. And the challenge if you're meeting somebody virtually um, turns on the difficulties of actually perceiving and even expressing your own body language. And this is pretty vital, particularly when it comes to spending time with a fact witness or an expert in preparing them for cross-examination. And obviously, the way they perform on cross is going to impact on credibility of that witness or expert. And credibility is everything before an arbitral tribunal. And the last point I'd make on this particular um, rebuttal point, it relates to re-examination. So after your witness has undergone often hours of tough cross-examination, you have the opportunity to re-examine what should be a friendly witness. Often you have to do that very quickly after the cross-examination has finished. And of course, you can only ask open questions so you can't indicate or tell the, your witness what you want him or her to correct or to clarify. Now, you can only do this effectively if you really know that witness and you get this instinctive gut feel for how he or she will actually respond. And in order to do this effectively, you need to have an understanding of the witness's personality and also their perspective. And sometimes, particularly on big complex cases, you only get that by spending hours and hours with that witness in person. Next, a point was made that sort of virtual preparation is more efficient and cost effective. Well, it's true that virtual meetings cut down travel costs, for example. But again, it, it's not that simple. The real costs um, are lawyers' time and also the time that the, the witnesses and experts have to uh, devote. And remote preparation can, in reality, lead to increased costs because often a witness or expert is not as prepared as they should be for the first session because they didn't give it the importance it deserved. And a subsequent session or sessions become absolutely necessary. Um, virtual preparation meetings with, with witnesses can leave a witness feeling a little sort of disengaged. And they juggle sometimes with sort of other pulls on their time and they're, they're taking emails, they're doing other things during a session. So sometimes having that in-person meeting where they have to block out time 
and you're in a sort of a, a, a space, an office space where they have to concentrate and focus can be much more cost effective ultimately. And you often find that even if you've done se some sessions with a, a witness that are done virtually, you need to meet them at some stage anyway in order to prepare them. So cost shouldn't be the sole driving factor for determining how to prepare the witness. And as Suhei said earlier, I mean, obviously, you're looking to do things in the best interests of your client. Um, we put this debate sort of in a sort of very binary fashion. Of course, it has to be done on a case by case basis. When you're making these decisions, it's going to depend on the complexity of the case, the criticality of the evidence as well. But in cases where there have been allegations of misrepresentation, the witness, fact witness evidence is going to be pivotal in those cases. And nothing beats meeting with those key witnesses in person initially and, and when you're getting them ready for cross-examination. Thank you, Peter. Our time is up for this episode, and we would like to warmly thank Aurélie, Suhey, Antoine, and Peter for their dedication and time in preparing this podcast. Stay tuned for episode five, where our debaters will consider the topic, are in-person hearings worth their while? Until then, thank you for listening to our Arbitral Insights Green Arbitrations podcast series. You can decide for yourselves who won the debates, and we hope you enjoyed it. Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email arbitralinsights at reedsmith.com. To learn about the ReadSmith Arbitration Pricing Calculator, a first-of-its-kind mobile app that forecasts the cost of arbitration around the world, search Arbitration Pricing Calculator on ReadSmith.com or download for free through the Apple and Google Play app stores. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, ReadSmith.com, and our social media accounts at ReadSmithLLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.